You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. while filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that show you? It shows that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does not automatically make you godlier. It does not automatically make you some super saint. The Holy Spirit gives you the resources to be godlier. The Holy Spirit gives you the resources to do that, but it doesn't do it for you. Many of us would agree that no good thing comes without effort and hard work. Contrary to what some of us might think, receiving the Spirit doesn't automatically make us godlier. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, although we're indeed equipped with God's Spirit, we still need to work with the Spirit as a means of sanctification. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 14. As he continues his message, the light begins to flicker. commentators that I read wanted to make a point about 1 Peter 5 8 about the devil or adversary walking around like a roaring lion and looking to see who he can devour and I looked at this and I studied it and I thought about this you know but but when you're where you're not supposed to be bad things happen when you're where you're not supposed to be Satan the lion sees you as prey And he sees you as someone who he can get to, someone who he can cause to compromise. So he attacks. Bad things happen when you're not in the right place. But the Holy Spirit gives Samson strength to defeat the lion. He rips it apart like a goat with his bare hands. See, this is one of the things the Holy Spirit does, as we talked earlier. It gives us the strength to defeat the plots and ploys of Satan. It gives us the willpower to get rid of him, to defeat him. You know, we think Satan with these fangs of pitchfork and head. As we mentioned earlier, Satan has been defanged at the cross. He's been defanged at the cross, but he still roars with deceptive lies. He still roars with schemes, and he tries to rob Christians. He tries to rob you and me of our effectiveness from being a Christian. How does he do that? He does that through persecution, through temptation. He does that. But the power of the Holy Spirit in us can silence Satan, can keep him at bay and keep him from attacking us. You see, the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson, gives him the power to defeat the lion. He does so. But then he continues his rebellious walk. Even though this miraculous happened, did he even think about tearing this lion apart with his bare hands? Did he even stop to think, whoa, what did I just do? I don't know about you, but... Kitty cat runs after me and I run the other way. A lion? My goodness, a lion comes. He's going to eat me. You know, I'm going to fight him. I guess I have to. But he ripped apart the lion like it was a goat. Give me a break. But Samson was determined. He was determined. He was on a mission from Satan, not a mission from God. But even in the midst of compromise, the Lord worked to his advantage. The Lord used this. 
Holy Spirit is much more in our lives than strength to kill lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, I had to say it. The Holy Spirit in our lives gives us the main power. Can someone tell me what the main power of the Holy Spirit gives us? Shout it out. Acts 1, verse 8. He gives us the power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Gives us the power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. He told them to wait until you receive power from on high. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses of me. He didn't say, you're going to do great signs and wonders. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. He said, you will be witnesses of me. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's the power to witness for Jesus Christ in our lives. I can't witness. I don't know how to witness. Well, maybe you're not relying on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. So in these verses, the woman pleased Samson well. Doesn't necessarily mean she was a good woman for Samson, that he should marry her. It's possible that we could fall in love with someone who is actually wrong for us. We can fall in love with someone who's actually wrong for us. And Proverbs 4.23 says we're supposed to guard or protect our heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. If we don't protect our hearts, we end up in trouble. But Samson overcame this because not only did he have the lust of the eyes, he had the lust of the flesh too. Verses 8 and 9, Samson returns to get his bride, and again he goes to the vineyard, but this time he wants to see the trophy. He wants to go back and look at what he accomplished. He's looking for the dead body, so now we have the uh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Look what I did. I killed this thing. He goes down there, and there's honey, and there's bees in there, and he goes down there, and he takes it, and he starts to eat from it. He's already disavowed his Nazarene vow two-thirds. Went to the vineyard, walked around there, and then he eaten and touching a dead thing. Two-thirds of the vow has been done. Why doesn't he tell mom and dad where the honey come from? Yeah, of course he knows he did wrong. He told mom and dad because they're thinking he's going to be okay. It's significant that you remember that he did all this while filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that show you? It shows that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does not automatically make you godlier. Does not automatically make you some super saint. The Holy Spirit gives you the resources to be godlier. The Holy Spirit gives you the resources to that, but it doesn't do it for you. A person can be wonderfully gifted by the Holy Spirit, but yet still very spiritually immature. There must be a yielding to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life. We must recognize the Holy Spirit's authority by submitting to his leading and continually getting ourselves ready for the position where we need his power. We then make ourselves available to God to be used mightily. Remember, our main theme of the book of Judges is to be available, to be available for God to use. So we see a man who disrespected his parents. We see a man who already broke his Nazarite vows. And next we see a man 
who is continually breaking the commandments of God. In verses 10 through 18, he loses his temper and he loses control of his mouth. Let's read. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, Let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it with me within seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 exchanges of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 exchanges of clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed the riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my mother and father, so why should I explain it to you? Now, she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her, because she pressed him so much, then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved the riddle. Well, that marriage is off to a great start. Calls his his wife a cow. That marriage is off to a great start. Hey, you little cow. I wonder how fast he could run. So he starts out, he throws a bachelor party. And we think bachelor parties are something that's current. You know, it happened back here. He throws a bachelor party. But only, you know, the bachelor parties today, as raunchy and as bad as they are, are usually only one night. This bachelor party lasts seven days. Seven days he has this bachelor party. His friends aren't there. Does Samson not have any friends? Does Samson not have any friends? He doesn't bring any male friends. He doesn't invite them to the party. I find that curious. I find that very curious. But the Philistines, on the other hand, they bring 30 to the party. They bring 30 guys. So Samson gets clever and he wants to pose this riddle to them. He doesn't seem to take his sin very seriously. He doesn't seem to take what's happening and what happened. He's disobeying God and now he's making fun of it? Yo, Samson. It's interesting. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now we know the riddle because we have advanced knowledge. We read the story. We know that the eater is the lion. We know that the sweet is in his carcass where the bees that made the honey and he took it and ate it. It's kind of like a proverb. But the Philistines threatened Samson's wife and her father. They said, we're going to burn your house down, both you and your father's house down. They really come after him. So naturally, the poor gal's going to say, what am I going to do? So she snuggles up to Samson and says, honey poo, what's going on? You didn't tell me the riddle. I thought you loved me. How come you didn't tell me the riddle? You don't like me very much. Samson, sure I like you. I didn't tell my mom and dad. I'm not your mother and father. I'm your wife. He tells her the riddle. Naturally, he or she automatically goes and spills the beans to her buddies. And they obviously 
Tell Samson. Samson says this proverb back. If you had not had plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved the riddle. Interesting. Interesting. In other words, he's saying, you did things the wrong way. Cows aren't used for plowing. Cows never did plowing. You did things the wrong way. You snuck around. You did an end run around me, and you came against me with my wife. But his use of this proverb shows his anger and bitterness, but he felt manipulated. Not only did he feel manipulated by the men, but he really felt manipulated by his wife. Because they won because his wife manipulated him. And right at then, she lost her husband's heart. When a man gives in to those manipulations to keep the peace, anger and resentment can build in. And that can become a problem in marriages, in all marriages. It's, it's a sense of tempting, and it's very, very destructive. Manipulation on any part, on any end, can always be destructive. Let's finish the chapter. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. Short marriage. Didn't last a long time. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, but his anger, and he goes and kills these 30 feet. Now remember, the Lord wanted to get rid of the oppression of the Philistines, so the Lord is working here. God's plan is always much larger than ours. He was seeking an occasion to come against the Philistines. We read that in verse 4 of chapter 14. Therefore, he uses this occasion to pour his spirit out on Samson to fight against the Philistines. Now, he give away his wife to his best man. But you've got to be careful of these unholy alliances. These unholy alliances that we seem to make. We make them all the time. Now, when Paul was writing to the Corinthians in, in the second time, in 2 Corinthians six fourteen to 18, he talks mainly about marriage. He talks about mainly about marriage, and it's used in marriage. But we need to look at it, and we need to use it in a different way. We need to look at it more than marriage. Chapter 6, look at verses 14 through 18, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 14 through 18. I'm going to read 11 through 18. I've got to keep it in context here. Verse 11, chapter 6, 2 Corinthians. O Corinthians, you have spoken openly to you. Our heart is open wide. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak to children you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them, walk among them, I will be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch that which is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty God. The idea is taken from animals who are unequally yoked in the field. Believers should not be unequally yoked with non-believers. This happens all the time. You see it a lot. In counseling, I see it a lot. 
People come to me and they want to be married, and one of them is a Christian and one of them is not a Christian. And they get mad at me when I say this, but I say it's difficult to be unequally yoked. Of course, the one all who's a Christian is always saying, but they'll come to the Lord. They'll come to the Lord. I know what this is God wants. This is God's way of bringing that person to the Lord. Maybe. Who are we to know? But we don't know. Chances are better that it's not going to happen that way. Chances are better that they're going to go the other way. That the believer is going to slide and become towards the non-believer. Got to be careful when we hook up with unbelievers. Yes, we are to speak to them. Yes, we are to witness to them. Yes, we can fellowship with them. I'm not saying that. But when you start compromising and when you start becoming one with them, when you start agreeing with them and you start being with them on a constant basis and they're not coming any way towards you, there's a problem there. And it happens. I see a problem happen all the time. It happens. It happens. The environment and the world that we live and the thinking of the world should not be a part of our lives. It's going to be very, very difficult when we get to this this election. It's going to be extremely difficult to vote for someone who fits into our biblical worldview. It's going to be difficult. I will never tell you who to vote for. But I will tell you that when we do vote, we should be voting with a biblical perspective of the worldview in mind. That's how we should be voting. It's going to be difficult at best. It's going to be very difficult at best. What did we study back in Romans 12? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to be extremely careful. Samson is being conformed. He's moving there. Now what Paul is not suggesting that we never associate with unbelievers. The principle is in the world, not to be of the world, like the world. Like a boat, a ship is in the water. And it's floating them on the water. But the water doesn't get in the boat. That's a bad thing. As we make our way through this world, the world doesn't get into us. That's the point here. We don't start thinking about the world and wanting to do worldly things. There's too much of that in the church today. Too much of that in the church today. It's incredible how much of that is in our church. Not our church. I'm talking about the Christian church as a whole. People bring it all the time. If the world is influencing us, it's clear that we're unequally yoked. This ungodly influence, it could be a book, a movie, a TV show, a magazine, or even worldly Christian friends. There are a lot of Christian friends who are very liberal and very worldly. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to stay straight with him, to stay focused on the Lord. That's why he needs to be the priority of our life. Strong enough to ward off the ways of the evil one. We must take seriously the scriptures that says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church because they were thinking like worldly people, not godly people. They were thinking of worldly things. They gained this way and looking at life. 
It's because they're ungodly associations. They're ungodly associations. Paul tells them to break those yokes of fellowship with the ungodly. He's not asking us to take a Nazarite vow. But the scripture does say, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. To know your Lord in such a way that you're serving him. I want to finish just by reading a couple verses out of Psalm 32. Psalm 32, specifically verses 8 and 9. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not lead like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed and with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. We need to look by faith at the Lord's face. We need to keep focus on the Lord, and he will guide us, and he will lead us through his spirit on the way we should go. His word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a guide to our path. It's a light. It shows us the things that we need to go and what we need to do. If we turn our backs on his guidance, if we choose to turn our backs on his guidance, what we read in the psalm is, he'll treat us like animals, and he'll put a bridle and bit in our mouth and pull us. Reminds me of walking my dog. That rascal tell you hmm, we have this training leash that we use to walk her sometimes well she no more wants that on than the man in the room because she knows once that on i have control and i have to give her a little come on now boy and she fights me all the way down the street she'll hop on one leg trying to get that thing off and she rubs in the ground and rolls in the ground but then all of a sudden she'll start walking beautifully she'll be fine But you take that leash off and just put a regular leash on her? (laughs) Away she goes. That's what we're being taught here. We need to follow the Lord without the bridle and the bit. We certainly don't want to be on that leash that goes, be running off doing all kinds of things, and we don't want them to have to put the bridle and bit on us and say, come on, this way, this way. We want to follow him. We want to follow him out of love. We want to follow him and move in the way he's directing us and guiding us to his word. That's what we want to do. And that's why, we're, that's why we're talking about this today. And that's why I see Samson not doing. Samson was so far ahead of the Lord. Samson, he was, he was, just, he was headstrong. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. He was so far ahead of him. And he was stubborn like a mule. He wouldn't listen to the Lord. He wouldn't do what the Lord told him to do. Lord had given him specific instructions. But we also know that the Lord was going to use it mightily. The Lord was going to use Samson's failures in a mighty way. So there's a lot we can learn from that, a lot of solace that we can take from that. And he will even use our failures to his glory. But it's like the Fram oil filler guy, you know, you can pay me now or pay me later. I'd rather have the Lord lead me and guide me than have him to pull me along, you know. Pastor Dave Shank will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for A Sure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the Word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on A Sure Hope.